You're listening to the Voices in Education podcast, powered by Securely, where we hear from new voices and explore new ideas about how we can reimagine education to support whole student success. Education is at an inflection point. As we grapple with complex challenges like funding and enrollment, as well as diversity, equity, and safety, we also have an opportunity, an opportunity to reimagine education. Now more than ever, we know the importance that students' overall well-being plays in their success. They need to feel supported and safe and connected to be able to engage in their learning and achieve to their full potential. Join your host, Casey Agena, a former teacher turned instructional coach and technologist, as he interviews inspirational educators, school leaders, wellness professionals, and more to amplify their voices. You'll learn about the innovative work they're doing to support student safety, engagement, and overall wellness. And who knows, you may even spark a new idea of your own. Ready to reimagine education? Let's go. I'm Casey again, and we have another wonderful guest joining us today at her service provider, Stay the Course. Katie Vaughn seeks to work with schools and districts to improve talent retention through restorative coaching for teachers and school leaders. Her previous leadership work at all levels and all sectors of education have helped her to develop much of her resources for everyone, including a webinar series called Beyond Self-Care, Rethinking the Approach to Teacher Retention, which we'll discuss. Welcome, Katie. Glad to have you here. Thanks, Casey. I'm happy to be here. So we discussed a little bit about mental health and uh, self-care. It was really kind of, I think, a guiding compass for us uh, for our discussion today. Uh, Mental health issues, as we know, are impacting young people in our classrooms. And many times, some of those stressors begin not with the students themselves, but with the adults. So tell us a little bit about your work, why it's so vital for schools and leaders to embrace this, not just ideology, but really uh, programmatically, uh, the idea of taking care of our educators in schools. Yes, I love that question. And I will hopefully talk your ears off today about it. Well, why does it matter? Students thrive in places and in spaces that feel safe and secure. In order for their the learning parts of their brains to be activated, they need to feel seen and cared for and valued. They need to feel part of a community. So be able so to be able to create those productive and inclusive learning spaces for kids, we have to make sure the adults in the building are also feeling taken care of. Taken care of. And that's my entry point through the work. Before we get into the, the details, I heard you say the name of my business out loud, my company, Stay the Course. I wanted to share where that comes from. Sure. Uh, my background is in early childhood. I was a preschool teacher. My mom was a preschool teacher for 20 years. And my very first year in the classroom, I really struggled. And these are, you know, three and four-year-olds just running my whole day. (laughs) Yeah. I found it incredibly rewarding. And I still think fondly of my students over the years. Uh, Like I use their names as passwords to my computer. Like they left such an impact on me as did their parents and families. But man, that work was hard. I would finish up work on Fridays. My voice was hoarse. I would take a nap before I could do anything else to start my weekend it was hard. And I, there were moments where I would sit in my car um, before work started. I'd call my mom and I'm like, mom, I don't know if I can go in. 
and I'd say, you know, I don't, I don't feel successful. I feel like I'm failing. I feel um, like I don't know what I'm doing. And she just told me to stay the course. She just told me one day at a time, one quarter at a time, like whatever steps I could make in that moment. She said, as long as you continue to show up and love on your kids, you're doing good work. And so that phrase, stay the course, really stuck with me. And that sentiment is what drives my work now, working for anybody who works on behalf of teachers, um, supporting teachers, training teachers, teachers themselves directly, um, wanting to uh, acknowledge like we, it's such incredibly rewarding and powerful work. It also requires a lot of emotional labor. There's a lot that goes into you know, we, we bring our full selves into the classroom. So to try to be succinct here, the work that I do is bringing more person-centered coaching, professional development, and consulting to schools and districts. And again, anyone who's, who's working alongside teachers so that we push the conversation around teacher well-being beyond the surface level self-care strategies, which are still important and still matter. You know, go to that, go get the massage on the weekends, go to that yoga class or treat your teachers to lunch every once in a while. Um, But how do we make the job itself sustainable? Where, where are the decision points throughout the school day where we can show we can value teachers' time and energy? How do we increase the, the professional aspects of the work? It's it is a caregiving profession, but it's it's a it's a profession. And you know, and and to your point, I mean, we'll talk about current reality, but I mean, this I, idea of staying the course and that um, that grit uh, that teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of learn and encompass it's it's not it's not this new idea i mean this is something that even you experienced you know early on in in your career too yeah and and what i emphasize when people acknowledge that part of the work that i do that it is promoting resilience in schools it's more than just being tough in the face of challenge it's more than just putting your head down and suffering through challenge there are actually habits and skills and mindsets that you can practice and strengthen to make it a little easier, mm. to make it easier to sort of see the other side, to see yourself getting through that challenge. So skills like self-awareness, emotional intelligence, cultural competence, working across lines of difference and sameness, communication styles and how you navigate conflict. So in this, in, in this coaching that I, that I offer schools and teachers, that's a big part of it. It's not just this is hard and we're going to stay mm-hmm. in this hard place. We're actually going to do some practice to build those skills to help you navigate the irony you're facing. I, don't, I guess irony is the word that we as educators embrace that a curriculum and that approach, particularly when working with kids in our classroom, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, really young, you know, we want them to be uh, resilient. We want them to have that grit. We want them to do that. But on the other side of the coin, how much of that is part of a school's practice in taking care of the adults who are taking care of the kids in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes me think a lot about, and this might be controversial, but it makes me think <laughs> a lot about the martyrdom that can be present in caring professions like teaching. Mm. And my sister and my mom, so my mom, after teaching, she became a nurse. My sister's a nurse. We talk about this a lot in in the medication, or the medication, the medicine mm-hmm. world as well. Like you are expected to work, 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 and go, go, go all the time because you care about the mission, you, because you care about your patients or your students or whoever that quote unquote client is 
right? And there is a culture of, of martyrdom in schools um, in regards to how much time teachers are expected to work, how they are compensated, how they define paths forward into the profession, you know, like finding paths towards leadership and greater impact and things like that. Um, and we're not really addressing that culture of martyrdom head on, mm-hmm. um, especially in light of everything that's happened in the last few years. We're just yep. told, you know, teachers are heroes, right? Well, they're still working 60 hours a week and deserve to be compensated appropriately, mm-hmm. or they deserve to have tough conversations around where their boundaries are, uh, you know, around the hours that they work or the, the difficult relationships that they're, cha- they're, they're navigating or whatever it is. The so, problem is the martyrdom is systemic, really hard to fight against. And oftentimes we embody characteristics that are aligned with those systemic factors as well. Like we've internalized that martyrdom. So there's a lot of guilt that comes with pulling back or taking care of ourselves. It's often deeply tied to who we are and where we come from. I was, I was raised Catholic and in the Catholic faith, you know, you literally pray to martyrs mm. that suffering is glorified. So it's really hard to unlearn a lot of those inclinations. And I'm thinking about the past 24 months in our K-12 schools where that has always been, but has the past 24 months amplified that to then bring it even more light to it and even more stressors and, and, and more pieces about who our teachers are, what they stand for, and what place do they have uh, in terms of indicator of community health too? Yeah, I definitely think it's been amplified. The problem is where I've seen, I'll even tell clients that are coming to me now, I'll say like, look, a two hour session on wellness is not, is, <laughs> is a bandaid. You know, I'll be really honest with them and say, I am happy to do this session on mm. XYZ emotional intelligence or self-awareness or whatever, or team building, but that's not going to fix the problem. We've got to look at decisions and choices that are being made at this school or even district level. Again, I think I alluded to this earlier to make that school day easier. A good example is oftentimes teachers are required to submit lesson plans on a regular basis. Let's say when I was a teacher, it was every Thursday for the following week. Right. And it was the same, whether you were a brand new teacher or a tenure veteran. Right. And this is one area of the quote unquote school day that I'm working with one of my partners on is, is recognizing like, well, first let's figure out the goal, the goal of lesson plan submission, which is both accountability, you know, are, are, is good content being put in front of kids that meets their needs and also coaching. So staff knows where to meet their teachers. Well, can those two goals still be accomplished if a certain level of mastery has been met for lesson planning. And so is there a different cadence of submitting those lesson plans? I just use that example because should that, should that system shift for this school, that gives teachers a lot more time and influence over how they, where they put their energy in, in any given week, which means they can be more present, more prepared, mm-hmm. and more focused in the time that they spend with their children. Let's take a short break to hear a word from our sponsor. The Voices in Education podcast is brought to you by Securely. Pioneering the student safety movement in 2013, Securely continues to lead the charge in innovative education technology. As the only whole student success platform for K-12 education, Securely helps schools ensure student safety, increase student and family engagement, proactively support student wellness, and optimize student device and technology initiatives. 
More than 15,000 schools worldwide choose Securely to help them keep students safe, engaged, and well. To learn how Securely can support your school, visit www.securely.com. And now back to the interview. I think it's a good jumping off point uh, in terms of right now as we're, you know, it's a self-reflection for a lot of school leaders or district leaders on, Mm -hmm. wow, we, you know, we thought last year was challenging. This year was pretty challenging. Um, And then looking ahead on what challenges may lay ahead in terms of the Mm -hmm. 2022, 2023 school year, knowing that there are some gaps and some stressors that are current for the staff that they're working with, what does it look like in saying, hey, I want to help my school mm-hmm. stay the course? I've listened to this. I've kind of looked at some of the resources that are out. What, what, what happens next with that uh, school leader who wants to help his teachers kind of stay the course? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I love how you frame that, just to help, to help them stay the course. <laughs> and I love that we're thinking now beyond, because ideally, I, I've sensed a shift in the, in the schools and the teams that I work with. I have sensed a shift that people are really hopeful about next year. Mm-hmm. And we were hopeful about last year, and last year was really tough, if not maybe the hardest year yet for a lot of, for a lot of school-based folks. So we're, we're cautiously hopeful for next year. If I were to have School, leader, school leaders in front of me listening to what they can do next. I think I, I, I just was taking notes as you were asking your question. There's two things that I would say to that. The first is um, understand the pain points that your staff is experiencing right now. Ask them, survey them until they are blue in the face. Hear what is causing them the most stress, burden, weight. What needs to change to allow them to feel like they're bringing their best to work every single day next year? There are four buckets of, of teacher stress that have sort of that have been compiled by, there was a study done a few years ago that I, I often refer back to. The four buckets are school leadership and culture, job demands, autonomy and decision-making, and social and emotional competence, referring to the teacher's own abilities in that area. Mm, I like those buckets. Yeah, so if you were to survey your teachers on each of those buckets, what would they say are the biggest pain points? That's mm-hmm. where I would start because those are then the decisions you want to be thinking about as it relates to what's happening in your school day or across the school year. And potentially um, different, right? When you're doing, I mean, out where you're at, California and Iowa, it might, might be different, right? Yeah. In terms of what data comes in from these surveys, which would then help guide you towards X. Yeah, exactly. And then... This might be really broad, but relationships are everything. And to, to narrow down even further, and maybe this goes along with like the, the idea of surveying, but like listening really matters. Um, listening with empathy, listening with a genuineness or an authenticity, listening with unconditional positive regard, you know, leaving judgment out of it, creating opportunities for your teachers to feel heard, to feel understood individually and as a collective, that goes a really long way. So at the beginning, I, I sort of, I, I talked about the importance of security for students to be able to engage in their learning. We also mm. need to create security for teachers to feel mm. supported and sustained at work. So you as the leaders are in charge of creating those conditions for teachers to feel secure. And I, secure can be interpreted in any number of ways. Is their job secure? Is there, are they feeling like somebody at work cares about them and their development? 
So I think looking at your school year next year and, and deciding where those opportunities are for you to be present for your people, to be consistent and create space for you to, to really hear and see them. And we're really overt in creating those safe spaces and places for kids, whether yes, it's via the friendship bench or that, you know, that, yeah. uh, that calm counselor down time, calm down corner, mm-hmm. or even really having those safeguards when they're online and, and, and they're start mm-hmm. seeking out the multitude of mm-hmm. platforms and TikTok and whatever, and, and, re- and, and trying to create those connections with folks that they both know and unbeknownst to them and creating those connections. Yeah. Are we doing the same thing for the adults who are also in those classrooms taking care of those kids and having those safe places and spaces for them? And encourage to you, encourage to, it's as simple as, do you encourage your staff to take advantage of their PTO or do you make it really hard for people to, to take off? Do you make time for stay conversations, not just in the spring when, when people are thinking about their plans for next year, but starting in October, what do you want out of this year? How do we make this school a place you want to stay a long time, right? And really listen to those things. How do you acknowledge and celebrate wins? You know, so often I was a coach for seven years for early childhood and elementary teachers. You're so hyper-focused on what needs to be fixed or where you can grow or where we're going to go from here. How about just sitting across from that teacher and saying, I saw you do X, Y happened to the students in your classroom. You know, the learning went up or I saw the look on this kid's face or I saw the smile that popped up. Why not just spend some time to celebrate? There's always more work to do. But we don't need to. We don't need to subscribe to this culture of urgency, nonstop urgency, go go go. That's not how people operate, and right. we need to be treating our teachers as people. So some of the things that you're talking about and the resources that you have to share, it can be packaged really nicely, I think, for school leaders and for educators that can help move the needle within their schools. Uh, you have a webinar mm-hmm. called Beyond Self Care rethinking the approach to teacher retention. Tell us about that and how this kind of fits in with your work. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking about it. Uh, it just, it was something that I started to put out feelers in January, February being like, Hey, everybody, I've learned a lot supporting teachers in schools through this pandemic. I got to tell you what I learned. And it, it takes this idea of the conversation around self-care and shifts it to self-preservation. There's a lot of similarities there. You know, we're looking out for ourselves. One is a lot more surface level and and temporary, and it's often the first thing to go, right? That yoga class gets scheduled over real fast when you're busy and exhausted and stressed (laughs) at work, right? Whereas self-preservation is an orientation and isn't always cushy and comfortable. Maybe it means having tough conversations about boundaries or giving critical feedback to a manager or setting blocks on your calendar to make sure you can get the tasks done that you need to. But anyways, it's about this shift to a more sustainable way of looking out for ourselves and our teams. And it starts off by focusing on that leader, that participant, and reflecting on what self-preservation means to this person, this individual. Then we go into the team. At the team level, we do a little bit of an audit and we say, what are your team's biggest hopes right now, biggest needs? We get really specific with strategies and then towards the end, it's a lot of planning and a lot of, because again, I don't want this conversation to stop after three sessions. What are you going to do now that we've we've defined self-preservation, us preservation as a team, what are you going to do with it? So my hope of it feels like a little bit of a balance where people feel that it's a privilege to be able to sit 
and think about yourself for a little while. And there's something mm-hmm. energi- that can be energizing about it. So my hope is that it's, a, it's like a productive space for individuals, but also is tangible and practical to bring back to their unique context. I feel like you've been able to transcend a lot of the things that were taking place in executive coaching in, in our businesses where that is kind of missing in terms of the coaching or professional learning in the K-12 space, where it was more like content driven, but not necessarily about context driven. And and that's something that, again, looking back at the 20 past 24 months, you know, it, it really kind of highlighted that piece, but I think gave an opportunity for school leaders to say, Hey, I believe in that. Uh, How can this Mm -hmm. be part of what we believe in and what we do not just for our teachers, but with our teachers uh, Mm -hmm. so that they can be awesome in the classroom uh, kind of moving forward. Yeah. Cause I'm of the belief again, the way that our learning, learning brains work when those secure attachments, when those connections, when that support is there for anybody in school buildings, kids or teachers, right. Good things are going to happen. I used to say this, I used to, so I have an early childhood background, but I coach teachers all the way up through 12th grade uh, over the course of my time um, supporting teachers And I always believe the content will come. There's going to be a resource. There's going to be a training. There's going to be somebody who who does that really well that you can learn from. But what are the habits and dispositions that you need to to unlock that learning brain? And a lot of times, what I found in the pandemic, it's just time to sit and think about you for a minute. You know, what is going well? Where are you struggling? What do you need? We often race through those thoughts ourselves in our head, or we talk about it with somebody outside of education, so a partner or a family member, or even sometimes a therapist. Sometimes we send our teachers to clinical counseling and therapy, and that's hugely, I mean, I'm I'm a big proponent of therapy myself, and that's hugely important, but oftentimes when you speak with people outside of education, the conversation shifts to, you're really stressed, this is a really hard job for you, maybe you should go find another job. (laughs) Right, <laughs> so we and we're seeing careful. some of that kind of exodus yes. uh, in our in in the K twelve uh, sector now, right? Yes, yes, and I'm of the belief that we can create those same therapeutic, not clinical necessarily, but the same therapeutic conditions in a school building, so mm. that teachers can manage the really tough times. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I want to highlight a couple of things that really kind of resonate with me, and uh, definitely for our listeners. Uh, this idea of staying the course. I, I think about it, the analogy of almost like a road and these these uh, <laughs> guide rails for us. You know, like that, it's an open yeah. road, but there are these guide rails for us to kind of help us stay the course and leaders are able to take advantage of, of that that you have to offer. And again, not just thinking about the, the now, but strategically being able to give them, give school leadership, give educators a lens so that they can look ahead and they can rethink an approach that is beyond uh, self-care. So Katie, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for the conversation. Um, I feel energized. I feel excited to get this, this work out there and appreciate your time in this, in this space. Thanks for tuning in to the Voices in Education podcast powered by Securely where we hear from new voices and explore new ideas about how we can reimagine education to support whole student success. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with others who would benefit from listening. Even a small act of support helps us reach more people and make a bigger impact. For the resources from today's episode 
and additional details about the podcast, please visit www.securely, that's S-E-C-U-R-L-Y dot com forward slash podcast. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.